Howie. I dominated even more than usual. Duck. Yeah, I don't think so, Howie. <laughs> Triple M's winter breakfast. Monday had one coffee. We built up yesterday when he went for the quad <laughs> coffee. Are you going the quintuplet no. job today? No, no I'm no, not, Howie. No. I think four's Just enough. Four's enough. How are you this morning, great man? I'm very good. Uh, you're in all the papers today. We'll discuss that after seven. You'll catch up with Anthony Stevens, but uh, that's a more serious topic. Something I need to discuss with you. Back page of the age, Rue United. There's you and Steve-O, arm in arm, after you've won the premiership and you're wearing a scarf. Biggest, What's going on? One, one of the... Uh, yeah, one of the mistakes I made straight after winning a grand final. <laughs> you know how back in the day you used to swap Guernseys? Yep. You know, and, and I think, well, St Kilda, the great uh, Daryl Baldock, I think yep. it was, when he uh, got up. The he, cup. He, he accepted the cup. He's got a Collingwood Guernsey on, and he says yep. that's a, Well, wearing that scarf <laughs> around the ground for the whole of the celebrations of the 96 grand final was a mistake. Well, a big mistake. What were you thinking? Well, I, one I, of the supporters, you're that happy, Howie. One of the supporters has put it around my neck after the after you go up and sort of you go to the crowd and I've, I've left it on and it's just not a good look with the Guernsey in the shorts. It's not, especially with your jumper tucked in and your shorts, it must be said, pulled up reasonably high, Duck. I reckon I'm a Harry High Pants. I yeah? think you are. I always thought Jude Bolton was the worst when he had his head taped Show up. Show me a look. When he had his look at you, you've Head just got, they're under your armpits there. Oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> they're just about equivalent with the, where the premiership yeah, medal is. The, uh, the scarf's not a good look. Did you watch any of the footy last night? Uh, the Bombers, uh, they seemed to start okay, but then just got smashed. Fair, fair, to ch- fair chance that I thought that would happen, so I didn't sit down and watch the whole game. I saw snippets of it. <laughs> Describe snippets. None. <laughs> That makes two of us. I'm not sure we're going into a full review. Johnny Worsfold was mic'd up, though, so we'll play a bit of that later in the show. A lot to get through. Uh, we've got all sorts of interesting folk to come on and have a chat with us. Uh, a man that dominates uh, football in Iceland as far as journalism goes. He's going to come on for a chat to oh, tell great. us exactly what's going on over the there. The main man over there. That's exactly right. Clown of the Week, James Young, to tell us all about the gigs. Is that what we call it, the Rosie? Gig- the yeah, gigs. what's happening around town What's happening around town. Spearsy to give us a full update. Our man Spearsy on the election. Mm-hmm. Have you voted yet or not? Uh, today. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Wimbledon in full swing now. The weather's cleared up. You can continue to watch it on 7.2 and the 7 Tennis app from 8.30pm tonight. We've had the fellas on, but it's time to get a true star of the game on. This lady won a couple of doubles titles at Wimbledon. As well as that, she's become one of the leading analysts in the tennis world. Her name is Renee Stubbs. She now joins us from the All England Club. G'day, Renee. Good, uh, Good morning, I guess, for you guys. And yes. good evening to you. Great story overnight. John Millman not only advanced, he got picked on the Olympic team, and he seemed very, very excited about it, Renee. Yeah, I mean, how could you blame him? Uh, I mean, what a great, not only what a great guy, what a great story through injuries and uh, various problems, you know, throughout, and he's just worked so hard. He's such a lovely guy. And uh, just, I'm absolutely wrapped for him. Um, all, all, everybody that got into the Olympic team, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm wrapped for them all. And Sam Stoza knocked out of the competition. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, this is just the worst surface in, in the world for Sam to play on. And she played as somebody today whose best surface in the world is grass. So, you know, she came up against a very hot Sabine Lissicki, serving bombs, hitting the ball big. And, and again, you know, let's, let's, Everybody at home, don't freak out. This is Sam's worst surface. She played a great French Open, and she'll be back through the summer in the U.S. A couple of another positive results for the Aussie men. Bernard Tomic through, and Matt Barton, 14-12 in the fifth, Renee, if you don't mind. 
What an unbelievable story also for, um, for, for Barton and obviously Bernie through, which is a great story as well because he's, you know, obviously playing so well, plays well at Wimbledon and has through the years. But um, what a great story for Mr. Barton to get through in that epic, epic match today, commentated it towards the end and just, again, wrapped what a last person into the qualifying and he qualifies and he, and he wins his first round here at, the, at Wimbledon. Renee, obviously uh, live 8.30 tonight. What have we got to look forward to? Uh, wow. I mean, Kyrgios. It's all Kyrgios, 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 isn't it? So we're going to see, you know, how Nick comes up tomorrow and uh, where he's at mentally, physically. Uh, the guy just, you know, there's, there's not many people that you can say that possess the talent and uh, the ability that he does. Um, he has more talent in his right arm than a lot of players ever, ever had in their entire body. So mm. we're going to see how Nick does um, tonight and, you know, expect him, expect big things from Nick uh, over the next, uh, you know, five to ten years, and this could be the kickoff. You expect him to harness that talent, Renee? I do. Um, I think it's very hard to keep it down as long as he keeps healthy and fit and continues to get fitter through the years. Um, you know, this is a guy that nobody wants to play against. I mean, he possesses a massive serve, huge weapons, and not only that, but he also possesses such incredible uh, racket work and skill around, you know, touch shots, and he honestly has it all. I mean, he shot between the legs the other day. The guy's talent is through the roof. And, Renee, you've had so much success at Wimbledon, as I mentioned at the start, a couple of Grand Slam titles there. How do you feel when you walk back through the gates of the All England Club? Oh, actually, just uh, published a story, uh, I think it was two days ago, on my memories of Wimbledon. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a couple of places in the world that I smile at every time I see them. The Sydney Harbour Bridge is one for me and, and the All England Club. When I walk through those gates and I walk up those stairs and just sit for a little time on Sunday afternoon before the tournament starts on Centre Court, it's just, there's just nothing like it. I don't know what it is about... Well, I know what it is about Wimbledon. I can give you a list. The Royal Box, the Strawberries and Cream, the Pims, the... <laughs> The people, the crowds, the, the tents across the street. There's just there's so much charm and history to Wimbledon. It's just it's unmatched uh, in the tennis world. Renee, we appreciate your time. Keep cheering for the Aussies. Continuing tonight on seven two on the Seven Tennis app from eight thirty p.m. Thanks for staying up and having a chat with us. No worries. Thanks, boys. Okay. Great to speak to Renee Stubbs. Have you ever been to Wimbledon? Uh, no, I haven't. I went one year when Clearly, I was. Uh, this time of year, where you know either well, yes, footy, yes, in footy. It's a bit hard to get a holiday. I did go to Bali last week, but uh. I went uh, when I used to live in England, um, and there was a. I went for men's final. I didn't have the the money or the resources in any way to get a ticket. Pete Sampras was winning yet another Wimbledon title, but there was a setup then. This is probably the late nineties where you could pay five quid. And remember when Tim Henman used to go through and there they had what they called Henman Hill. It, there's an area out the back where they set up big screens and you can sit on the grass and watch it. And you pay a few quid to get in there. You can hear you can hear the the ball being struck within the court, and you can hear the crowd roaring and the players getting involved. But you're not. And you, you paid for that. Well, it was fantastic. It was you're out there. You're having your. You're at Wimbledon, but you're not you're at having, Wimbledon. You haven't been to Wimbledon. Last night in the footy, as we talked about, it wasn't a most amazing game of football, let's be honest. West Coast easily defeated Essendon. But the Seven Network had John Worsfold mic'd up throughout the night, which is always fantastic. Gives you a real insight into what goes on. Here's a bit of whoosher. That, that's the one. It's, it's not an issue. Brown or McGovern, forward or back. We've got matchups right, but... Ah, the voice. Can't give him a free hit. Kick it. I just told him to 
So tell the boys on the bench, we don't want to give them the field position. That's what we're working so hard to avoid. We got along down the line. I don't, I don't know how many times we have to ask them to consider. Don't turn the ball over in the midfield there. We have to slow everything down now because all our players are level with the ball. Quite measured, isn't he? I don't know how many times we have to ask them to consider not to turn the ball over in the midfield. It's very considered, isn't it? <laughs> it was, but he probably knew how to mic on Howie. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. It, um, it, it is a fantastic insight, though. It's um, it's funny with audio. Um, I've worked, obviously, in the television caper for a while, and back when we used to do stories on Seven Sports World, etc., I used to work for Seven on the horse racing. It's amazing sometimes the audio can be better than the pictures. I can remember clearly when Lonro, I think it was an Australia Cup, I'm not a horse racing guru, but it was smashed on the Ben Lonro. It looked like it was going to fall and started from the, the its run last. Um, and we had the, the strapper mic'd up, yep. and he was he was yelling and swearing, couldn't believe it. Oh, look what's happened to my horse. My, he's saying, my beautiful horse, etc. Lonro comes on. This guy gets more and more excited. Lonro wins on the line, and he's got the microphone on. But as soon as people, they think, oh, I'm a bit unsure about having the microphone, in the heat of the moment, they forget it's there. And that's when you get the true emotion of things that are happening. I can still remember was clearly o, how good that was. That was three. Could well have been. Well, you backed it, did you? I did. Right. So we needed a mic on you somewhere I, as well, did we? Oh, if you had a mic on me, it couldn't have gone to air <laughs> because uh, I was actually walking out when uh, Lonro got held up, held up, uh, and thought, no chance now. Finally got out and, as you said, got up on the line. I was actually walking out of the venue, myself and Mark Rusciuto walking out. That'd be right. It had uh, let us down. Was it the Australia Cup? I it think was. it was the Australia yeah, it was. Cup. Yeah, no, absolutely was. Uh, Jaron Geary, he had a microphone on a couple of weeks ago, I think, oh, when the Saints had that close win. Um, have a listen to Jaron. Yeah, it's just it really and, and well done to the footy clubs for opening them up. And you have to understand why Essendon do this. They would have been concerned last night. We've got our sponsors. How many people are going to watch our game? People expect us to get beaten. What's a reason for people to come and watch this game? Right, let's put a microphone on the coach. So well done to the boss. Yeah, well done. And the other part of it is the the umpires now. And we're told, you know, during the coverage that when a free kick's paid, we can hear the umpire explain what it is. And I think that adds a whole new level as well. I, I, I think that's. Another part of our game that's uh, obviously very, very good. Well, here's an idea for you, Seven Network. Why not at the end of the game put a little minute and a half compilation of the umpires going to air with vision throughout the game to interesting incidents, interesting bits of conversation? Because this is all monitored. You want to pass this on to your boys in Seven Production yeah, okay. and maybe get them to roll that out. Right. Okay. But I went to the movies yesterday. Remember I told you I had the yes, pickle yep. and the big penguin because yep. he was in town. We went to see Roald Dahl's BFG. What's BFG? The Big Friendly Giant. It is amazing, Rosie, what they can do with movies Such these days. Such a great days. book. It, it's a great book. It's uh, The kids listen to it, then they, on the audio yeah. uh, tapes when we were away on holidays last year, then we read them the book. Gee, he does some good books. And now they've made a movie of it. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, good movie. Extraordinary. Yeah. But a shout out to the bloke that was in the two o'clock sitting in the Geelong Village cinemas yesterday with his children, four to the right of me, that five minutes in fell asleep. And snoring like a freaking chainsaw <laughs> for a good 45 how many, minutes. How many kids did he have? Well, he? he had three, I think. So he's, a, he's sleeping and the kids are sitting I, there watching I, I the movie. I think his wife was with him as well. Oh. But I'm, just, I'm not talking <laughs> your, your cute little girlfriend snores. I'm talking your full chainsaw. They had to turn up the volume in the movies oh, type wow. of snores. Uh, big friendly giant. Go and see it. There was a discussion that it might be scary. The big penguin was four. Didn't get scared at all. So your kids can handle it. So go and have a look at it. Something... 
has just struck me as funny. You were in here yesterday saying you were showing me your article you'd written about Dane Swan, and you said to me, and, and any big story likes to get on the back page, and you were saying to me, I think this is a big back page job. I'm going to get a back page. Then I look at the back page of the age today, and you've knocked yourself <laughs> off the back page, which is extraordinary. Your article, which was back page material, has been replaced by an article about you. I'm not sure that's ever happened in the history of newspapers. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> we'll discuss the uh, story with you and Steve-O at about 10 to 8 today. But I saw Dane Swan on the news the other day saying that uh, people will have he's to wait. try he, and go on. Yeah. He's going to try and go on. Your opening paragraph under the byline, Wayne Carey. While Dane Swan has declared publicly this week that he's still holding out hope of a return late in the season, in my opinion... He's played his final game for Collingwood. What would lead you to that opinion? Well, look, I've, I've spoken to uh, Triple M's very own, Dr. Rowan White, as we know, and you sit with him a lot on the boundary. Yes, great man. The, the injury that Swanee's got is a very, very serious one. And given that he will, if he plays on next year, it'll be for a very, very, very reduced amount. And I, and I think for the injury alone, it's going to be a big, big ask for Swanee to get back. So I, I, I think that we've seen the last of him and, it's a, it's, it's a real shame because I, I absolutely love him as a player. I think he's one of the great characters of our game. And if you read the article, his statistics, they stack up. We're not talking about a champion of Collingwood. We're talking about a champion of the AFL. I mean, the numbers. He's had the most possessions out of any player in the history of the game. Robert Harvey, I think, has had the most 30-plus um, possessions, but he played about an extra 80 games than what Swanee's played. So he's a ball magnet. And, and and a match winner, and I I and and one of the true characters um, of our game, and and there's not too many left. And as you know, you you have to go down into the rooms and mm. interview these guys. They're very robotic. Uh, oh, I love the Dane of Swans of the world. And he's and yeah, so it, it it's sad. Um, but Swanee, I don't think will be. Yeah, uh, and and I've and I have spoken to Swanee over the years, and and the thing about Swanee, and I've and I've said to Swanee. Because he's been such a great character and, and a guy that uh, has walked a fine line at times, unfortunately, the uh, fatuation with him, infatuation with him, will mm. always be there. So I said, always remember that. Your life is now not your own, whether you play footy or not. And and I, and I think he's got his head around that. And as a, he's just a ripping guy and uh, he's been an absolutely brilliant footballer. Now, clearly he hasn't announced it yet. That's an opinion piece. That's what we do. And, Did you speak uh, to Dane at all during this process uh, of writing this article? I told him that I was writing an article about right. him. I didn't tell him exactly what I was, uh, as I said, it will be in my opinion. And he said, you can write whatever you want, Duck. You know, another stat he's really, really good at uh, you, you mentioned some of his statistics as far as the games involved. His ability to say mate within an interview situation is also unrivaled really? in the AFL. Well, he's a knockabout. He is. You know, uh, he's, he, and that's one of the things that people, I don't think, realise. He's, he's an intelligent guy. Very funny guy, he's, obviously. He's a lovely fella. And uh, and, and look, footy, footy's been a massive part He's, he's so driven, and the reason why he's been so good, people see that, okay, he's a, he's a bit of a larrikin and, you know, he, does he take his footy? His determination and the way he goes about his footy, his competitiveness is is like Nathan Buckley's. Okay, they think about the game differently. He doesn't live and breathe it. But when he trains and when he goes out there to play, he's as, as competitive as anyone out there. And that's why he's still trying to come back, and he'll try and try and try, but unfortunately... I and like I said, sad for all football people, not just Collingwood, because I think yep. all football lovers love to watch the greats play, and he's been a great. 
You mentioned Dr. Ryan White. I sit on the boundary with him far too often, and we go to some terrible games of football and some great games of football. At the terrible games of football about two years ago, we came up with a new code called the UFL, the Unlikely Football League, and we sit there each week and put a player into the team (laughs) in the Unlikely Football League. Two seasons ago, due to his running gate, Dane Swan was the 2014 Unlikely Football League captain. Really? Yeah, he was in the team. He was in the team with the likes of Stevie Johnson, who has a a strange running gait. The man that's on all Australian pace for the UFL this year, Big Maxie Gorn. Just blokes you wouldn't expect to play AFL football. Well, he's and and Swanee, and I actually write about it in there about his his running. He is quick, like super, super quick. And and, uh, you you talk to Cameron Ling, he's one of the great taggers, uh, you know, of the modern era. And because Lingy could get the pill, said he was one of the hardest to play on. I remember Swanee getting Lingy a couple of times. And mm. when I say getting him, like, you know, 35, sort of 40 possession style. So he's, he's just been a, a marvellous footballer. But the thing about him is he is extremely quick, but you can't figure out how. By the way he runs, mm. how he runs quickly, I don't know. Hence the fact he was the 2014 captain of go. the Unlikely Football League. Next. I'm sure I, I should have put that in there. I'm sure he would have been happy if I put that in there. <laughs> He's probably not aware of it. In fact, no one was until now. Maybe next week we might announce our... 2016 UFL team. I'm sure when when fine, uh, Swanee does announce whether he's either retiring, which I think he will, or going on, which I don't think he will, we'll be having a chat to him, I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt and about so it. so will Ed, I'm sure, when he's back doing this show. Duck, we sat here the other morning being just entranced, watching Iceland beat England. It was a great win, wasn't it? It was a great win, and uh, Iceland has become massive on the world stage. Uh, 5 a.m. Monday, our time, they will take on wages, France. Will their wages go up? Or? Well, uh, there's a man on the line now. We can ask all these questions to. He's the number one football pundit in all of Iceland by the name of Alexander Fry. And Arsen joins us on the line now from Paris. Hello, Alexander. How are you? Hi, I'm very good. Uh, very flattered by your introduction as well. But yeah, I'm well, good. Hope you are too. Well, I'll be completely honest, Alexander. I don't know how many pundits there are in Iceland as far as football goes. But for mine, you are the number one man. Tell us. What were your thoughts and the thoughts of your countrymen in the closing stages of the game versus England? Congratulations to you and your country. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, obviously, it was uh, it, we were nervous, you know. We would never have expected that we would be leading against England 2-1 in the dying minutes. But, I mean, the guys were great. And to be honest, I was much more nervous against Austria because those guys were really hammering us. But England was barely creating anything. So I was nervous, but I was still quite confident that we would win. And I think most people were because England were... They weren't doing anything, and our guys were just being mm-hmm. splendid. But, of course, in the dying seconds, they got the cross and they, they got the chance, but our guys really defend like warriors. So it was really nice to hear the final whistle. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was amazing. I can't explain how I felt at that moment, for sure. Clearly, uh, in the game, once you're in the game, you thought you were a chance because you could see the way England were playing and the way you guys were playing. But before the game, you obviously thought you had no chance at all. No, no, I did not. I, I have to disagree with you there. I did not. I was really happy when we when we got England because I knew that they hadn't been playing well in the tournament and I know that they're choke artists as well. So oh. for me, they were the dream opposition, just like probably we were their dream opposition. And uh, I know that many English pundits said it would be, you know, they were so happy that they did get us instead of Portugal. Is there a country that you'd want to beat more than England? No, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. <Except> maybe... <laughs> Maybe Denmark or Sweden, but no, honestly, England. Everyone in Iceland loves English football. Everyone has a, we like English football much more than Icelandic football. So, for us to be drawn against England was already a dream because these are the players we love to watch, and uh, 
to beat them, it was the sweetest feeling in the world, of course. Well, there's a similarity straight away, Alexander, between Australia and Iceland, because we like nothing better than beating the English in any way, shape or form in any sport. Any truth to the rumour that your manager is a dentist? Absolutely, he's a dentist. You know, a lot of, obviously not Lars Lagerback, but the other is not even a rumour. He's said it himself numerous times. He's a dentist who lives on an island of 2,000 people just outside of Iceland. And yeah, I think he's, you know, moving a little bit away from the dentistry. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, there's another dentist on the island who can take care of people while he's away. But yeah, for sure, he's a, he's a dentist, 100%. Our last manager was a carpenter, so... I think it's a step in the direction. Maybe we get a lawyer next time. <laughs> Alexander, I want to play a little bit of your audio here. I'm sure you've heard it, as has the rest of the world, when you scored the second goal against England. Who is that man in commentary, Alexander? You must tell us who that fellow is. Yeah, of course, no problem. You know, it's it's Gummit Ben. He's uh, Gummit Benetton, called Gummit Ben. He he uh, he's our top commentator. We love this guy. He works actually for another TV channel, not the one that's showing the Euros. But they just begged him to come over, and the other channel allowed him because they knew that this was the only guy who could possibly be our commentator in the Euros. And uh, does he always yeah, commentate like that? Is he always that upbeat? Uh, uh, no, no, not really. But he tends to he tends to really you know let his passion show. But I think he's really outdone himself there. He was even he was even crazier after we scored against Austria and reached the last sixteen. I'm sure you heard that as well. We did. If you haven't, you should check it out. Alexander, we appreciate your time. Best of luck to you and your nation as you take on France. It's been a wonderful story and it's captured everyone's imagination around the world. Thanks for having a chat with us. Yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure. Alexander Fry and Arson on the winter breakfast. He's very good. He was. The old dentist. There's no one at home to look after their teeth. Time to welcome a man that's written a really, really interesting book called The Pressure Principle by the name of Dave Alred. Dave will explain it to us very, very shortly. But Dave, welcome to Australia. Uh, we had to buy you a coffee because the way the pound's going, you probably couldn't afford one at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did that, actually. I've got some loose change in a suitcase <laughs> over there. <laughs> it's been an amazing time for your country. You might touch on that shortly. But firstly, you book the pressure principle. You've worked with uh, all sorts of athletes. Johnny Wilkinson, who killed us here in the World Cup final, Man City, Sunderland, the English cricket team, the English rugby team. What's the basis of your book and what you do, Dave? Well, what I tried to do is um, I've been really blessed with the opportunity to work across a, a large number of sports at a very elite level. And um, having had that experience, there was a sort of convergence of principles. In other words, the more people are under pressure, the more the challenge becomes similar. And, and by and large, it's probably the conflict between keeping to the process regardless of the outcome, whether you're kicking a goal, whether you're trying to sink a putt and so on. And when the outcome and, or the failure, potential failure, is writ large in your conscious thought, that's when the process seems to fall down. So it, simplistically, that's the sort of conclusion. But there are eight principles that I've looked at, and it's not just a quick fix where you say to somebody, I'll have a chat you know, night before the game and everything will be all right. It's, it's a whole way of living. Um, and I think the, well, probably the most important thing for people to understand is that 
getting in what I call the ugly zone, which is where progress happens when you're frustrated and things don't quite work. That is where the greatest learning happens. And so often in professional teams in particular, players tend to do what they do and don't do what they can't do and don't even venture there. And that's what, in my mind, limits teams mentally. I'll tell you what, Dave, you could, uh, there'd be plenty of uh, AFL coaches mm. listening to this right now. There'd be uh, certainly a lot of jobs. Uh, big rap from obviously Johnny Wilkinson saying you, you changed his life. I was, I was actually at that World Cup in 2003. I was in the, uh, in the crowd. Um, I'd actually uh, backed England to win. Sorry. but uh, Un Australian. Uh, well, I didn't think Australia <laughs> were going to get to the final, but he kicked that goal on his opposite foot. You've done a lot of work with him. Um, he, he says you changed his life. How, how, how did you do that? Well, it, it, um, I think it's nice for him to say so, but I think it's just the obsession. I mean, if, if you have this in the way you live your life, every day I'm going to get better. That's my starting point. It doesn't matter what you're doing. So if, if you were number one in the world in sand saves and you were a touring pro, I said, we can still improve. The, the problem that we have particularly in the, in the UK, is if I say to somebody, you can get better, and I try and, and I'm enthusiastic about it, their immediate response is, what's wrong with what I'm doing now? And they become very, very defensive, and they put up the barriers, and look, I'm okay, look, I'm in the first team, I'm, mm. I'm, do, I'm doing fine. But that's not it, because if you go to a four, five-year-old child, they can't wait to get better. They can't wait to discover <laughs> something new. Mm. So what I try and do is rekindle that unfettered enthusiasm in adults. And if you get that, you get world beaters. Mm. Mm. Dave Alred is with us. He's written a book called The Pressure Principle. How did the English soccer team, in all seriousness, deal with the pressure of going in as heavy favourites against Iceland the other day? No doubt a topic close to your heart. Well, I, I think that the, the problem that you have when people are favourites is that straight away it's avoidance of mistakes is the conscious thought rather than going into the area and, and trying to get, um, if, if you like, not necessarily devil may care, but really giving it a go. The most dangerous teams you can play against are underdogs because underdogs have got nothing to lose. So if you could transpose that mentality into a favorites team, um, then th that, that to me is the winning formula. The problem that you have is, and I think it's the same, I, I don't know in Australia enough, but national governing bodies tend to be conventional. And convention doesn't win anything. If you think back to the All Blacks when Joan Lomo burst on the scene, mm -hmm. any other team in the Northern Hemisphere, Jonah would have been a second row forward. But somebody saw something there that was different and put him on the wing. And it's a bit like Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt is too tall to be a sprinter. Yeah. But somebody defied convention and look what they've got. And you have to be brave enough to defy convention and really have a go. In our, in our game, goal kicking. So we stand in front of the sticks and that seems to be one part of our game that, that hasn't improved. And I've always thought pressure and I'm, I'm serious I'll, I'll read this book because I'm fascinated by it and, and uh, I'm fascinated sitting here listening to you now but I've always thought the difference between those that can stand in front of those sticks under pressure and kick the goal they have the same thoughts the first thought that comes into your mind as as you line up for goal is you're in front of a hundred thousand people you say I can't miss this 
this is a goal I have to kick. So there are some negative thoughts that come in straight away. If I miss this, what if I miss this? I've let the team down. So that, so that's all there. I've always thought that no matter who you are, you have those initial negative thoughts, but the difference between those that kick it and those that don't are those that can execute under those thoughts. Well, it's interesting you say you execute under those thoughts. What you try and do is displace those thoughts with what you can do. So, for example, if you're kicking a goal, you know, do you pick out the absolute precise spot that that's going through the post? A lot of people don't have the detail. If you've got the detail of can do and you're looking at the piece of stitching on the ball that you're going to make contact with. Now, this actually implies that you've done a lot of practice. It's not just this is what you do. If you can practice that and go for the smallest possible target and have something that's so engaging in a process, you can displace those thoughts. We can only chunk a certain amount of conscious information. If the first thing you think of is I won't miss, you will probably miss. And you, the, th- the hundreds of golfers that are listening will all know you play a golf, a round of golf and somebody says to you, okay, it's an easy par three, but whatever happens, don't hit it to the right and that's where the water mm. is. If that's your last thought, as eggs is eggs, the ball goes straight in the water. <laughs> no doubt about it. The book is The Pressure Principle. Dave, you hold a PhD. You're a very learned man. You've written a very serious book. You walked in here today and my man Duck said, oh, I'm an author too, and started telling you about his book, which I'm going to get you a copy of to uh, have a read of on the way home. You'll be fascinated. And Duck, uh, is it true? Someone has told me recently it's true that you may have filled out a form at one stage declaring yourself as an author. Is that a true story or not? (laughs) I was having a joke before you came on, Dave, that uh, when you fly out of the country, you have to obviously put down your occupation and there was one time that where I wrote author, yes. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, well, <laughs> Dave, now, is it not true? Well, it is. Uh, you need to read Duck's book. I'm going to get yeah, you a okay. copy of Duck's book. You'll be amazed you even came into the studio with this man once you've read the book. <laughs> is it hardback? Um, well, it, it, it's probably in the $2 pile now, but uh, what was it well, called, no, Duck? That, well, it actually sold out, so you probably can't. Get what was it called? Hey, what was it called? The Truth Hurts. The Truth Hurts. That'll give you some indication, Dave, what it's about. We appreciate your time. Best of luck with the book with The Pressure Principle. Thank you very much. Great Cheers. to have Dave Ulred in the studio. You can get the book now. Duck, big story today. Whether you like it or not, it's on the back page of The Age. It's also on The Herald Sun. But Caroline Wilson reports exclusively that you sat down with Anthony Stevens. Uh, in the last couple of days before we get to the conversation itself. And I know these things aren't the easiest to talk about. How did the meeting come to pass? Oh, look, uh, Howie, and look, as you said earlier earlier this week, it, it came out, David King, I had a chat to him and uh, it was meant to be a private thing, but I guess now that it's not private, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's all positive and that's, and that's the great thing. The Kangaroos, obviously, we have our... Uh, 20-year anniversary. It starts off tonight with a with a gala event, and uh, players like Jim Cracker, our very own Wayne Schwoss, and congratulations and, to and Barry Cable are all being inducted into the Kangaroo Hall of Fame, and Steve O himself is being inducted as a legend of uh, of the Kangaroo. So it's a it's a big night. All of the uh, well, not all of the premiership players of '96 will be there, but they will all be there tomorrow. Um, and as has been reported, I caught up with Arch in Bali. We had a good chat um, off the back of that. Arch has obviously had a chat with uh, Steve-O and the footy club and everything else, and we were able to sit down and have a chat. And, uh, and the positive thing for that is that, you know, we can, all, we can all go to the premiership reunion tomorrow and be totally at ease, and everyone there can feel great about what was uh, just one of the best days of our lives other than having children um 
you play sport to win premierships. And uh, that was our first, and we can now thoroughly enjoy it. And uh, I'm I'm uh, thankful to Arch, and I and I did ring him, and I'm I'm happy to say publicly. I mean, it's all all over the papers, but I rang him yesterday just to say. Thank you for putting the olive branch out further. And Arch and I have caught up a million times um, over the last, you know, 14 years. But thank you for putting out the olive branch while we're in Bali. That has now led to to uh, obviously sitting down and having a chat with steve which has been reported. And and uh, we can all, I think, you know, you, you never, um, you know, you'll never forget. And it's something that will live with me forever, as I'm sure it will a lot of people, which is still sad. And I still live with that. But... Um, we can go to the event on on uh, Saturday and just have a smile on our faces and laugh and people can feel really good about being there. So massive, massive uh, thing and, and uh, I could not be happier. You seem genuinely stoked about it. Did you have some trepidation knowing that this was coming up? There's obviously been all the stuff about the West Coast Eagles and that's been hijacked by what's happened. In their past, were you concerned that this sitting down and, as you said, one of the great times in your life would be hijacked by this situation? I'd be lying if I said before I caught up with Arch that there wasn't some, you know, some not negative thoughts, but I guess concerns concerns and thinking of others on that day that they wouldn't enjoy themselves because of, you know, I I guess, um, you know, people sort of walking on eggshells. So I, I, there were concerns. Now, obviously, all of those concerns are gone, and that's that's the great thing. And that's why you know both both Arch and Steve-O, you know, putting the team first, and and uh, it's uh, it's yeah go- going to be a great day now, and it's a day that uh, there are no negative thoughts whatsoever going there, and I'm I'm uh, just can't wait to get there. You know me, Duck. I rarely put the serious journalism hat on, but I'm going to ask you a couple more questions, mate. Uh, where did where did the meeting take place? Uh, North Melbourne. And it was just you and Steve-O in a room together? No, little Charlotte. Charlotte was there little as well? Charlotte okay. was there. She was tired and she was grumpy. So the three of you just sat she, down in a room together? Yep. Just sat down and had a bit of a chat. And like I said, it was, uh, it was just, it was, it was short, it was sharp and it was, uh, it was, it was good. It was good. Where does a conversation like that start? Um, with me, sort of, I, I guess... As we know, Steve-O uh, said openly on Open Mic a little while ago that um, he thought that I hadn't proper, properly apologised, so that's where it started, was a, was a uh, heartfelt apology. That's, that's where it started, um, and, and, that's where, and that's where it finished. I'm a centimetre away from prying now, so I'm going to ask you one more question, then then pull up. Who are you, Ray Martin? No, but, you know, it's, and it's difficult because- Andrew Denton. You're I feel good like I'm on Andrew Denton. I know, and everybody knows that you and I are good mates, so that's, that's not the easiest situation to ask. Well, it's been reported, so it, I, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's it, not it a has. secret anymore. So how does a conversation like that finish up? And, and now, how would you describe the relationship? This is the last question I'm going to ask you. How does it finish up, and the, how does the relationship between you and Anthony- now compared to when you walked into the room at the start? Mate, what will happen now is we'll be able to all be in a room together and be in a conversation all together and be able to laugh and smile and enjoy the company and the special people that created what was, like I said, one of the 
most special days in our lives. So that's where it finished with a handshake and say, look forward to catching up Saturday. I'm just stoked to see that you're stoked, obviously, and Steve Owen Arch. And I can't wait for you all to sit down as a footy club. I know I, sometimes I see you and Swatter sitting down in a rare moment in the Triple M box and you talk about different blokes in the premiership and I see the joy on your face. It's um, yeah, it's, You're going to have a ripping day on Saturday. It's going to be a great day Saturday. And every single player other than... John Blakey, who's going tonight, he can't go because Sydney played tomorrow. So he'll be the only one not there Saturday, but he'll be there tonight. So invariably, it's a 100% turnout over the two days. It, and, and that's why it's going to be really special. Have a great time, mate. Clowny. Clown. Clown. Clown of the week. Clown. Clown of the week. <laughs> You've been clown. Mick Malloy's Clown of the Week. Clown up, dudes. TGI Fridays. Great food. Great drinks. Great fun. What a clown. We may well end up being the clowns here because we haven't done a great deal of preparation for Clown of the Week. Duck, Mark Howe, Wayne Carey, Winter Breakfast, Triple M. Well, I listen to it every Friday. I love the Clown of the Week, but uh, I've got a feeling people new. are going to be sadly disappointed. Look, I've got an immediate Clown of the Week for you. Just down the road here, the Montague Street Bridge. Oh, yeah. Now, they put in the gantry so you can no longer hit the bridge. Mm-hmm. Very difficult to hit the bridge. There was a bloke this week in a truck that hit the bridge. How he missed the gantry, I do not know. Well, that was his argument. What was his argument? Well, he said he got under that. Well, let's hear from this bloke. He's clown of the week, potentially. Uh, yeah, bro, I, I crossed the barriers, but it didn't hit that. So I drive all the way up, but on last ferry, it's hit. Can't get out, it's already f- I lost my job. Oh, you lost your job? Not really. Oh. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad gag, by the way. Not a bad gag, by the No, he's not clown of the week now. That's how he gets away with yeah, that now. That was very funny. Do, was very could funny. they not just... I know they're saying it's too expensive a, to raise the bridge. Why don't they just dig a little underneath hole so the road goes lower? Well, why don't they make the gantry the size of the bridge? Because if you can fit under that and not the bridge. So you think the blokes that made the gantry are clowns maybe, of the week as well? Maybe I've got a couple more up. for you. Uh, Samsung have released a new phone, Duck, that automatically airbrushes selfies. Okay, so false advertising. False advertising. <laughs> so you take your photo. There's a picture here of a young lady who is getting a photo taken and then her phone automatically airbrushes it. I yeah, think that's getting well, a bit carried away. Plenty of people uh, do that anyway. Clown of the Week. Uh, uh, clown of the Week. A cinema full of kids and parents waiting to watch Finding Dory was shocked when a trailer for an R-rated, slightly blue adult movie played beforehand, Duck. Wow. So the kids are sitting in that's, there and then oh. all sorts of stuff. That's a potential Clown of the yes, Week. Yes. Um, I've got a Clown of the Week for you I mentioned earlier on. Um, the gentleman that was sitting behind me in BFG yesterday in the Geelong Village Cinema in the two o'clock sitting that snored 45 minutes throughout the movie like a chainsaw. Clown of the Clown Week. Of the, week. <laughs> the English football team. Clown Clowns of the Week. week. <laughs> the, the British for getting out of Brexit. <laughs> Clowns of the Week. We should play in Ashes now because they can't do anything wrong. <laughs> we, we, we'd have a win. Um, I think, no, we have one more. We have one more. Talking about Brexit, I heard this on the news the other night. There's a gentleman by the name of Nigel Farage who has been telling the European Union for 18 years that he's going to be getting out. Uh, they did get out, and he then went and gave them a bit of stick and pretty much rubbed their noses in it. He was quickly responded to by other members of the European Parliament. You know, when I came here 17 years ago and I said that I wanted to lead a campaign to get Britain to leave the European Union... You all laughed at me. You're not laughing now, are you? (laughs) I I don't know if you want to be rubbing the European Union's face in it. Uh, Well, they've uh, they've had a big week, haven't they? 
they I'd have imagine. had they've had a big week. I, I do believe he was responded to in a fairly major way by other members of the European Union, who at the end of the day can almost point to the scoreboard and say, "Runs on the board." Yeah. I'm really surprised that you are here. The British people voted in favour of the exit. Why are you here? The old French getting stuck in. I think they're pretty happy. That is Clown of the Week. David Spears coming up shortly with political editor. A few nominations on Twitter. Oh, and sorry. Hot sorry, Breakfast Rose. before we go. Damien has tweeted, whoever decides to demolish the home from the castle, tell them they're dreaming, which is a story with gunners at 8 o'clock. Yep. And uh, William also would like to nominate Telstra because they had another outage yesterday. So that's fair enough. Yeah, Telstra's not going that well, are they? Late nomination via Twitter for Clown of the Week. The Wallabies after getting wiped three Zero by England. What's going on with the Wallabies? Well, I'm going to be. Well, I'm going to say it. They're becoming irrelevant, Duck. Hey, I think they're becoming irrelevant. Why? I just think rugby has really lost its sheen. You know, take it back seven or eight years, you can name half the team. Tell me two Wallabies now. Yeah, fair enough. There you go. Now. Uh, a lot to get through in our code. Port Adelaide versus Richmond tonight. Great news for Port. Jay Schultz back into that side. He's uh, well, They're a much better team when he's in there. And finally, the Port fans are going to get to see what they're after, which was Schultz and big Charlie Dixon in the same forward line. Mate, Friday night, live and free, on seven tonight, Friday night footy. Now, a lot of people would think that both of these sides are not in the eight, but this is going to be a really good game. And I'll tell you why, because you've got guys like Robbie Gray, You've got that man there pitching in the paper today, Dusty Martin. Is who, he in touch? He is in brilliant touch. Could I he mean, win the Brownlow? Well, I, I've got him down for five, three voters, and then there's another oh. game where he's got two. He'd be a fantastic Brownlow medalist as a footballer. So there's 17 votes I've got him at, wow. at this stage of the year. Right, now, Danger right. might have a couple more than that, but you're, I, I think he's a serious contender because what he's doing, he's gone into the middle, so he's winning more of the footy. I would like to see the balance shift a little bit more back because I love seeing him inside 50, one on sort one. of one-on-one. On one. So I'd like to see him a little bit more forward and, and still kicking his one or two goals a game because that's when you get the absolute three votes. But that's, that's going to be a great game. I'm tipping Port Adelaide because it's at home. And Port Adelaide, Richmond are sort of Port's bunnies a little bit. Mm. Richmond have played four Friday night games this year, haven't won one of them. They, so they, they need to read the Pressure Principle book. No, no good on Broadway. Okay. Sydney versus the Western Bulldogs, SCG, Saturday at 4.35. Big Willie Minson is named back in the side of the Bulldogs. Good on you, Will. Yeah, good on you, Will. Uh, match of the round, this one. This uh, We know that the Bulldogs, just uh, they're just contested ball freaks. They're, they're just the best in the business, but they're going up against Hanabry, Jack, Parker, uh, and these guys, against these young Bulldogs, uh, Bontempelli, Libertore, Wallace, and these guys, Hunter, it is going to be an unbelievably good game, this one. I can't wait to actually sit down, turn the TV on, put the feet up, and get some sleep, because I've had hardly any this week. Because we've <laughs> well, you've been got to say, watch the game. No, I'm going to watch the <laughs> game, but then get some sleep. St Kilda versus the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast were brave for three quarters against well, the Hawks. Saints were fantastic. Well, well, this is all of a sudden turned into a pretty good game as well because Gold Coast are playing better footy. They're starting to get players back on the park. And as we know, St Kilda, what a win last week. I mean, this, this now has a little bit of intrigue in it. And a lot of people are tipping the Gold Coast off the back of St Kilda's form. I'm not sure how you can. I, I think the Saints... Uh, the Saints should chalk up another win. I'm with you. And they've had a couple of very close losses, the Saints. They'd oh, almost be the, well, knocking on the, the door. The kangaroos and the Hawks. The Hawks, that's it. Melbourne versus Adelaide. Another fascinating one. Uh, Adelaide probably, 
well, arguably the the form team of the competition, but they come over to the MCG. They don't play a lot there uh, during the season against Melbourne, who we know are capable on their day. This this is an interesting one, but on form, you have to go with Adelaide. Yeah, really pleased to see Jack Grimes too named in the side. So hopefully Again, he runs yep. out the the former captain. Then Carlton versus Collingwood. We don't understand the influence of this show and how many people are listening. This is you and I on the winter breakfast yesterday talking about young Jack Silvani. I reckon Joe would be pretty uh, pretty excited uh, if he debuted Come against on, the Just put him, put, put him on. Put him in. Put him in. Saturday in. night, MCG versus Collingwood. Give him a run. Give him a run. Obviously, Brendan Bolton and the match committee are listening, and they're like, well, that's a good idea. Well, uh, what a game. What a, what a game now. Already what a game, but what, now what a game. Yeah, what a game to debut in. And this, you know, look, both of these sides are obviously, you know, not, not anywhere near the top eight, but... You know, arch rivals, uh, there'll be 60-plus thousand at this game because, let's be honest, Carlton have been playing some good footy. Collingwood back in form last week. So let's hope the fans turn out. I think, and this might sound silly, a bloke playing his first game, I think there'll be a lot, a lot of people just going along. And Cloak has obviously stayed in the team, so famous uh, Collingwood uh, name staying in. Good mm. on Travis for that. And, uh, you know, congratulations to the uh, son of Steve, uh, young Jack playing his first game. What a game to play in. Yeah, it makes me smile thinking about it. Who was your first game against? Uh, Fitzroy. Fitzroy. How'd you go? Uh, no good. No good? Oh, I think I had seven possessions and gave away five free kicks. <laughs> Who'd you play on? <laughs> hey? Who'd you play on? Who was your oh, first I, opponent? I, I can't remember the okay. opponent. Yeah. Um, good luck to Jack Silvani. Yeah. Hopefully he gets a little bit of the footing. Election day tomorrow. You can see unrivaled coverage of the 2016 election from 5 in the morning, AEST, if you don't mind, on Sky News Live, that's Channel 601. And then our man, David Spears, will anchor the verdict from 6pm. He'll have a who's who of political insiders in there. Peter Credlin, Michael Kroger will help him crunch the numbers. They will all call him David Spears. We like to call him Spearsy. Good morning, Spearsy. Yeah, we duck. How are you, boys? Spearsy, was that you floating around, and I love the name of this place, at the Rooty Hill RSL Club uh, maybe <laughs> last night doing a bit of a sort of a chat and a general idea as to what was going to happen? It was. Everyone outside New South Wales loves that name, Rooty Hill. Oh, yes, that, yes. That, was, that, was, uh, that was me. It was fascinating. We got these undecided voters together, and uh, you know, we showed them some images. What do you think of Malcolm Turnbull? What do you think of Bill Shorten? They didn't hold back. They were just so blunt. He's arrogant. He's out of touch. He doesn't know what he's doing. Showed them a picture of the Greens leader, Richard Bigatari. Not one of them could name the guy. Uh, same for Scott Morrison, which surprised me as well. One of them picked him out as a treasurer but didn't know his name. It just goes to show, you know, for all the stuff that people like me concentrate on every day, a lot of people out there really aren't all that interested in politics. And um, I, I, it, it is quite interesting. They've got lives to lead, busy lives, kids and all the rest of it. So... Yeah, it's a reminder of uh, all this politicking over the last eight weeks. A lot of it really doesn't matter to people. Spears, you just stand to your left uh, just maybe a metre or so. We just struggled to hear you for a moment. We've got you back now nice and clearly. Now, here, sure. now just stand by, Spearsy. I know you've gone head-to-head with some of the great political names. I'm now handing you over to Wayne Carey. Well, Sp- all right. Well, Spearsy, we know that uh, in America they're, they're saying that this could be a record in terms of people that actually vote. What sort of numbers, what sort of percentage are we expecting on this vote? Well, in Australia, of course, we're compulsory voting, so everyone's meant to vote in the US. But they uh, don't. So what's... No, they don't. It'll be probably 95% or something. I think they're, they, they're expecting a little bit more than usual. But you're right, some don't. You're meant to get a fine if you don't vote. Now, and I know people have, have copped the fine, uh, but you know, uh, 
Fortunately, I'm one of those who's early voted. I think we might have talked about this uh, the mm-hmm. other day. But uh, otherwise, you've got to queue up with your sausage sizzle and, uh, and wait to vote. But it'll be a pretty high number. Well, the young people of Britain didn't vote, and look what's happened to them, and they're mm. complaining now, but they've exactly. left their run a little bit late. Now, Spearsy, I was watching Bill Shorten going one-on-one with, I think it's Candace White on the 10 News yesterday. She asked him three questions, A, B, C, D. He answered... X, Y, Z. Like, seriously, do these blokes ever answer the questions that are put in front of them? Uh, look, a lot of the time, no, they don't. They, they both are masters of the art of the uh, the pivot, uh, where they'll, they'll turn any question at all. I mean, Turnbull yesterday was asked at the press club about multiculturalism, and he started talking about jobs and growth. Mm. Uh, they really don't, uh, they don't like being taken off, off their course at all. And they're pretty clever sometimes. At, uh, at pivoting, but sometimes they're just, you know, really bad at it. And it's pretty obvious they just don't want to answer the question. What do you think will be the defining issue of the election? And as a result of that, who do you think will go on to win it? You know what? I reckon, and, and certainly talking to those um, voters last night, a lot of people just really want one leader to stay in the job for a full three years. Yeah. They're sick of people churning through uh, the leaders, through the Prime Ministers. So, look, both sides are trying to guarantee that will happen. They can't guarantee it. Our system means they can be turfed out by their own party. That's how it works. But I think that's a, if people want some stability, and that probably works better for Turnbull because he's in the job now, and I think people want someone to stay in the job for a little longer than they have been. Well, it would be nice because I reckon Obama has met uh, five of our Prime Ministers in his time. <laughs> right. Has to write right. them down on his hand. Yeah, he's sort of going, OK, yeah. which one next? It, it is a little bit embarrassing when it, 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 it doesn't show... It, you know what it doesn't? It doesn't show strength or stability when that's occurring, does it? No, and look, there's something to be said. In the US, they have fixed terms and they're four years each. So... You know, you're elected president for four years and then you get another term, that's eight years. Uh, so there's something to be said. I think almost all of the states here now have gone to this fixed-term uh, situation and that does give you a bit more certainty and, and, and stability. So there's something to be said for that hard change to make at the federal level. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to necessarily give politicians longer in the job, but... Um, yeah, I think stability is something we, we really need and voters really want. Now, this might be about Turnbull and Shorten, but let's be honest, Beersy, this is about you. This is grand final day for you tomorrow. Mm. There'll be various networks doing what you're doing. What are yep. you going to bring to the coverage that makes yours just a little bit more spicy? Gosh, maybe I need a, a funny wig or something. <laughs> I've, I've better get that some thought. But, um, uh, look, for us, it's, we're really well connected with uh, what's happening. So we try and be first with some of the results. Uh, in, in some of the important seats. Plus, we've got some great commentators in our lineup. You mentioned there, Peter Kreppler, Michael Kroger, um, Graham Richardson. Uh, I can I can break the news. He's been very unwell in hospital for uh, for a while now, but he's going to drag himself off the bed and come right. in for at least part of the night. Oh, so that'll yeah. be fun. So um, yeah, a, a great lineup of people, and we've got reporters everywhere. So it'll be uh, I I have a lot of fun on election night, and I hope, hope the viewers do too. I'm meant to be calling the footy tomorrow night. Duck doesn't have a game, so should he wander into the Sky Studios just Mate, to give an update as to what's occurring? In. Come on in. We'd love that. We'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate your time, Spearsy. I know it's a big day for you tomorrow and a big week, so good luck. No You've done a wonderful job. Thanks for right, explaining thanks, things to us. Cheers. Uh, we didn't ask him the big question, um, which I'm going to put to you now. Uh, Rosie sniffs out. I don't know quite how she does it, but Rosie knows where they hand out free sausages at the different election <laughs> spots, a la Bunnings, and that's where you're going to go and vote tomorrow, Rosie. Like a truffle pig. Right. Uh, will there be? I'll be voting, uh, I guess, at Albert Park tomorrow at the school. Okay. I'll look it up for you. So, uh, started in about 2007. I went to vote at my local 
primary school at the time, which was in Turak. They didn't have a sausage sizzle, right. which is the democratic right of every Australian to have a snag in, in bread when you My vote. Word. So I walked all the way to East St Kilda. And voted Before there. Before I found one. So I had to, um, I thought that's not good enough. So I started <laughs> hashtag snag votes on Twitter and there's now a website, electionsausagesizzle.com.au. <laughs> and Rosie has sent me an email, which I'm looking at right here and I've got a few uh, venues that I can go to. To get a free sausage. Yes. Now, Duck, I know for a long time you've been a big, big fan of the Serbian tennis player, Victor Troiki. Yeah, good, good player. Yeah, and I've always <laughs> been a big time fan of the Spaniard, Albert Ramos Vignolas. One of my favourites for a long, long time. Well, a game was on knife edge at Wimbledon overnight when your man, Troiki, was playing my man, Albert Ramos Vignolas, when the umpire, Damiano Torella, overruled a line call to award a match uh, award a match point to his opponent. Now, your man, Victor, didn't take well to the line call. Imagine if our man Nick Kyrgios engaged in that type of behaviour. You're the worst umpire in the world. What are you doing? Did you see the ball? He wasn't done, though. He was just sort of warming up your man at this point, Victor Troiki. The game resumed, and Ramos Vignolas, my man, won the match point, so he goes through to the next round. Your man, Victor Troiki, then just started to really get into his work, Duck. Ever, do you know what you did? Do you know what you did? Do you know what you did? You're horrible! You're horrible. You're horrible. We shouldn't we'll laugh, laugh I know, but it's I know. hard not to. Uh, should we? Uh, well, should we play a bit of Johnny McEnroe just for old times' sake? He yep. was the best. Have you ever met John McEnroe? I haven't. He uh, he had a deal when he came out to work for a former employee of mine. Oh, that's us say Channel Seven. When he used to, he was amazing on special comments. He had a deal where there was a bloke whose job pretty much was to be employed to make sure there was a cold number of Heinekens in the commentary box. So Johnny would walk in there, and the Heinekens had to be in there, really ready to go. Well, that's all right. Yeah, fair enough. This is what, uh, well, let's see a bit of Johnny McEnroe. Look, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. See, there's not enough of that. Talk. You're talking about Dane Swan giving the game away. This is why we need the Dane no, Swans of the world to play on. characters. All right, plenty to come on the winter breakfast, including James Young, where you're going to go head-to-head with this man and ask him where the hottest gigs in Melbourne are, Duck. Yeah, I what? can't wait. Well, Howie, sometimes mm-hmm. you, you sit around and you go, what, what's there to do? You know, mm-hmm. it's a bit cold. You want to know where all the gigs Okay, what, what, what was the last gig you went to and who did you see play? Uh, well, the last gig I would have gone to would have probably been uh, the North Melbourne Comedy Festival, if you call that a gig. No, I'm a, talking music. It's not a band. I, I, I'd like to know your last music gig you went to. Um, what's his name? It's, uh, <laughs> Who's that then? Oh, the I'll, voice kid. I'll think of it in a minute. Okay, I think I went to see Paul Kelly at the Corner Hotel. Maybe in 2001, that's probably about the last gig I went to. So we might be, have you, Harrison Craig, is that who you're talking about? Oh, yes, yes. At Crown with Mick Malloy. Yes, I went and he didn't to turn see up for Harrison Craig. Day. Yeah, Mick couldn't, uh, couldn't get to work. James will be in his car thinking, I'm not going on with these two clowns. <laughs> Our next guest, you've hit him up straight away, Duck, saying, you know, trying to get in tight with James Young, <laughs> who runs the chair. But, oh, mate, what about the Golden Monkey? You know that place. 
Um, and James looked at you blankly and said, what's the golden monkey? Well, he thought it was a Chinese shop. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> what did you think it was? No, I've been to this little place in the city. I'm pretty sure it's called the golden monkey. Anyway, good little band that used to play there. <laughs> Hello, James. How are you? Good morning, Howie. Good morning, Duck. Nice to be in here. Look at that. Look at how professional the show runs uh, during this particular holiday period. I've never been in so early. It's no, just so no. great to see you here. <laughs> that's, that's, Running on time. Well, that's because we run out of things to say about 8 o'clock and then we just fill through to 9 o'clock. What's happening, Jack? We're going to get well, the full rundown shortly, but yeah, give us well, a little teaser. I wanted to, I wanted to share something with um, uh, our Melbourne listeners, our listeners. Um, Violent Soho, one of the best uh, rock bands in Australia. They're from Brisbane. Um, very pleasingly had a number one record this year in Australia and did, recently did three sold-out shows at the Forum. Violent Soho are filming a new film clip this weekend in Melbourne. They're doing oh. it in Fitzroy and Collingwood, and they would like you, not necessarily you, uh, Howie and Duck, right. but you, the listener, to be in their clip. Uh, they're filming between 1 and 4 o'clock tomorrow, Election Day, Saturday the 2nd of July. And uh, I'll give you the uh, contact email, um, rip and dig, but it's going to be one word, ripanddig at gmail.com. And you, just listening right now to the Triple M Hot Breakfast, you could be in a film clip with Australia's top band, Violent Soho, filmed in Fitzroy Collingwood tomorrow. There you go, bang. There we go, Violent Soho. Will they be playing at the Golden Monkey later in the year? <laughs> There's <laughs> an outside chance. Hey, hang on, this is their, ch- this is their Courtney Cox moment. It is. You know, pulled up on the stage with the great Bruce Springsteen, being a clip, and who knows what could happen from there, Howard. Plenty more to come. This is entertaining radio now. James Duck was trying to get in tight with you that he was a funky (laughs) man in town, mentioning a venue that he thought was called the Golden Monkey. We've looked it up. I'm not sure if you were getting your venues confused. The Golden Monkey, exotic cocktails, Asian tapas, live music and DJs in a lavish bar with leather for sofas and lanterns, saucy, sexy, and fun. Yes, that's where I've been. There's live music at the Gold yeah, Monkey. That's where well I've been. Done. The Bang. Gold Monkey. Okay, it's three eighty nine Lonsdale Street. It's a, it, it is actually a really good venue, and they it is live music. So if you haven't been there, I'm, I'm, I'm going to check it out. All, all right, right. what's good. happening? It's hard to drag me out of ACDC Lane <laughs> to be honest, Duck. But thank you for the recommendation. <laughs> Noted. Um, the uh, Leaps and Bounds Festival commences today from Friday the first until the seventeenth of July. This is a festival celebrating the city of Yarra area. In other words, Fitzroy, Collingwood, Richmond, Abbotsford, North Carlton, and Clifton Hill, and there'll be over fifty participating participating venues, more than 300 events and over about 900 performances. There's also workshops and stuff. I'm down at Bakehouse Studio today giving advice to young people about wanting to um, run music festivals and stuff yeah. at the Make House okay. uh, panel session. But uh, so with, I recommend you check out Chris Russell's Chicken Walk, one of my favourite blues acts. Bit of Chrississippi blues there at the Old Bar tonight and participate in Leaps and Bounds Music Festival over the next uh, nice one. two and a half weeks if you can. The Chicken um, Walk. Uh, chicken, uh, just, just for a sec, James, yes. why are you sort of facing Rosie and talking to her and just sort of <laughs> cutting <laughs> me and Duck yeah. out of the conversation here? What am I picking up on here? What, what, what sort of numbers? Would I fit into these sort of... Venues. I can see you getting amongst Chris Russell chicken walk for oh, sure. I, yeah. I think you're a chicken walk man. Am I? Definitely. This may appeal to you, Howie. Mm. Um, uh, Queen's front man, uh, Freddie Burker. It's coming up on his 70, 70th birthday, or would have been, 25 years since his passing in 1991. And I thought this was unusual. His best friend and personal assistant, Peter Freeston, is doing a tour of Australia for a series of speaking shows. Really? Titled, You're My Best Friend, An Evening with Peter Freestone. Telling personal stories, his photos, unheard audio, 
audience Q&A covering the 12 years that uh, Freeston spent living with Mercury um, and uh, being his personal assistant. I'm sure there'll be some oh, interesting there, questions no, and some stories to tell. Very interesting Does he stories. need an MC? That's about the only way I'd be getting to a gig <laughs> like that, I reckon. <laughs> Thursday the seventeenth of, of of uh, Thursday the fifteenth of September at the Thornbury Theatre. How about that, Freddie Mercury? You're my best friend. That evening with uh, Peter Freestone. We're okay. all going to get in on that. Different. Mm. Uh, and in terms of uh, uh, the Beatles, now I know um, I wanted to mention the fact that uh, George Martin. Sometimes when you mention the name George Martin these days, people just think of the books Game of, of Game, of Game of Thrones. But George Martin was known as the fifth Beatle. He was the producer uh, for the Beatles and and managed over thirty number one hit singles in the UK and twenty three in the US. US, and as I say, he was, he was referred to as the fifth Beatle. He passed away this year, and uh, down at the Corner Hotel, a bunch of Melbourne musicians, uh, and I would call them the Younger Brigade, so this isn't like your over 50s, 60s mm. Beatles celebration, uh, being put together by Davey Lane from UMI with Ashley Naylor from Even, and their guest vocalists include Cat Spazzy, Linda Bull from Vicar and Linda Bull, Wendy Stapleton, Link Meany, Ross McLennan, and of course Ash and Davey, celebrating uh, George Martin. This is on Friday the 15th of July, so if you're a, if you're a Beatles fan and you want to see a one-off event celebrating George Martin and the Beatles from a kind of younger perspective with it with the super group from Melbourne I recommend you check out uh, cornerhotel.com to see the Beatles celebration in a fortnight's time right. and right. Link McLennan who James has mentioned is Barry Denner's nephew Barry Denner's oh. nephew yes the great Barry caller, Denner caller of the people man of the people and Link just back from um, touring Ross Spain does. with his band the Meanies so he's the still on the road. Uh, let's talk about gigs this week. Quick look yes. at Friday and Saturday. Friday, Friday night tonight. Um, you've got Carnival at the Croxton uh, Croxton Band Room out there. Um, uh, in the, it, is it North Melbourne? Where is, where is that? Croxton. Yes. It's a uh, Thornbury. Thornbury, correct. Northcote Thornbury. I'll, I'll go with that. Northcote. Uh, back back here uh, at the Tote, we've got uh, in Collingwood. There, we've got D Strands. The trio released their new single, Papa. They're playing with. St Kilda punk icons haven't played for 15 years, Rosemary. No. I spit on your gravy. They've been training very hard. They yes. had a session at Bakehouse the other night and uh, people flying in from all over the country to see this. I spit on your the gravy. gravy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Famous Fred Negro band. <laughs> oh, I hope they're a better band than their name, but anyway. <laughs> uh, you can see the uh, Black Sorrows out at the, uh, the Reservoir RSL. On Saturday night, election night, if you like comedy. <laughs> well, there'll be D- plenty of it. There will. Auntie Donna's at the Athenaeum. The Bennies and Clowns and Axe Girl are at the Village Green. And uh, Hits, one of my favourite bands there down from Brisbane, they're playing um, at the Tote. Brilliant. And also there's a Janice Joplin story special at the Yarraville Club. And I'll just mention in closing, I'm a massive fan of Elvis. Uh, Scotty yes. Moore, his right-hand man, his guitarist, passed away sadly this week. Had a good innings. He was 84, but he's a legend, legendary guitarist. And played with Elvis, sat by his side uh, in the 68 comeback special where Elvis, let's face it, he was the best-looking human being ever to walk the, the face of the planet. And uh, the 68. Comeback special. Coincidentally, um, the Knave and his 10 piece big band are paying tribute to that at Cherry Bar in ACDC Lane this Saturday night. So if you're a fan of Elvis and you miss Scotty Moore, we can get down there in our various jumpsuits. I don't know what I'm going to wear, Rosemary. Which one? Something with sequins. Are you going the 50s Elvis, the 60s Elvis, or the not so good Elvis? Uh, unfortunately, I'm more. I'm Better suited to the seventies, <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a few. Uh, I've got a few jumpsuits. I'm pretty excited. Now, <laughs> Youngie, just before we let you go, I'm going to ask you a really difficult question. I want a simple answer. I don't want you to sit on the fence. The best live act performance you've ever seen in Melbourne? Oh, in Melbourne, 
Oh, that's throwing me a bit. I'd probably go with um, uh, the Rolling Stones. I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan, huge ACDC fan, but I also like my you know my my little group. So you know, little bands like the Powder Monkeys from St Kilda. I I I, I um I, I think the the value of little venues and there's so many of them in Melbourne is that you can just pay five bucks like the Golden Monkey, <laughs> and before you and before you know it, you can touch the fretboard of these musicians. You yeah. don't have to be sit a kilometre away. Yeah, no, you great. feel that you're a part yep. of it. Yep. Yeah, the awesome. guy at Duck's place, you might get a massage as well at I the end of the night. So it. it'd be fantastic. <laughs> I still, I still can't get over the uh, "I spit on your gravy" name. <laughs> who, who comes up with that name? Well, obviously, it was inspired by the uh, cult seventies yep. uh, horror revenge thriller "I Spit on Your Grave." Yes, that's yes. exactly the, the, the link band, that I made straight movie, away. The band oh. movie, and they've turned into "I Spit on Your Grave." Younger, you've been fantastic. Uh, Thank you, you, are you very much. Do you come in every week? Will you be I in do. next week? I, I do. Right? I'm, can if, you speak? Welcome. Can you speak English to us next week? So, duck. No, it's fantastic <laughs> to have you in. So, you'll be in next week. Also, our man Spearsy will tell us where how the election was won. Santo Chilaro is coming lost. in. Yes, or lost. Keith Moore, who's written an unbelievable book about the Calabrian mafia called Busted. He will come in and this is your territory. Yes, and this, yes. I, I went and saw this fella in oh, Lake's entrance. Uh, Diesel will yes. come in and perform live at Howie's desk. It's Howie's desk. Howie's desk. It's <laughs> too bad, Eddie. It's oh, Howie's desk beautiful. now. Uh, James, we appreciate your time. No worries. I just wanted to mention on the election, I just yes. noticed on the front page of the age it says it's 50 50. Yep. And I don't mind the occasional flutter, but I notice it's seven bucks for Labor to win and the dollar ten for the Libs. <laughs> so it's 50 50 according to the age. Might be worth a nudge. <laughs> just put it out there to the hot breakfast. What's the age on? I reckon it's 50 50 for the Libs. Don't Scotty Pape for investing advice. We'll get James Young and it's James. Thank you, Rosie. Well done no to you. Thanks to Sarah, DC, and Jakey for getting us on here this week. Ducky, you have a safe weekend. You're off to Friday yeah, night. Friday night footy, big game tonight. Uh, Tigers Port Adelaide on seven live. We will be and, back and free. We will be back at six a.m. on Monday morning. This has been Mark Howard and Wayne Carey. One week done, one to go on the Winter Breakfast on Triple M.